Well, let's pray. Father, God, we thank you for your presence here with us. Lord, you told us where two or more would gather in your name that you would be here in our midst. Lord, we've come to worship. Uh, Your word says that to worship means to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to you. We acknowledge that you are God and we are not. And in that, Lord, we acknowledge your, your wisdom. We acknowledge that your ways are best. We acknowledge, Lord, your incredible love for us, your grace toward us. We acknowledge, Lord, that you have made a way through, for us through Jesus on the cross, through his death and resurrection, that we might be reconciled to you. We acknowledge that incredible relationship that you have uh, opened to us. Lord, we acknowledge to you our humanity, our weakness this morning. And we acknowledge that you already know everything about us and love us anyway. Thank you, Lord. We ask, God, that you would take this message this morning and speak to our hearts by your Holy Spirit. We thank you for it all. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. So last week uh, I told you that we were going to answer a question this morning uh, that started from looking at John chapter 8. And so let's go ahead and turn there this morning. John 8, beginning at verse 34. And Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. And here's the key verse this morning. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Free indeed. I want to entitle the message this morning, Free Indeed, Part 2. So we started looking at this passage last week in general, looking at our human problem with sin. Sin that separates us from God and will do so for all of eternity if we do not humble ourselves before this awesome God and receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, who alone in his great love for us made that way, made that way. For us by dying on the cross, taking the penalty for our sin. And so if the Son sets us free, we're free indeed. Free from that penalty of sin. Free to walk in that new relationship with God as his adopted children. Praise his holy name. But though we are free from the penalty of sin... We are not as yet free from the presence of sin, are we? There are many temptations 
that you and I face. Some that we struggle with more than others, aren't there? I think if the truth is known, uh, we all have things in our lives, don't we? Uh, habits that we would just as soon get rid of. Uh, things that maybe we would want to do uh, in our lives and we just, for whatever reason, can't get up enough motivation to discipline ourselves and do things. And, and that gives us a sense of, uh, you know, I, I, I wish I was better at this. I know God wants it and I want it, but, you know, uh, these things that we struggle with that a lot of times produce in us even an underlying sense of maybe a little guilt, a little shame, right? And then because we're human, we deal with those feelings of guilt and shame in unhealthy ways a lot of times that produces even more guilt and shame. And then so you've got this kind of downward spiral thing going on. And so the question is, are we just supposed to go through life like this, struggling with these things all of our lives, committing the same sins over and over and over until Jesus comes and takes us home? And the answer to that is no, a resounding no. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 18, talks about a process called in theological terms, sanctification. 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. See, it doesn't happen all at once, does it? I don't think we could handle it quite frankly, but it doesn't happen all at once. It happens, the Bible says, in degrees, degrees of glory. As the sun continues to set us freer and freer, his glory is seen in and through our lives. Amen? Now, the first thing that we see in this, uh, our text that is, is that the one who is doing the freeing is the Son, isn't it? If we are to be free indeed, we have to look to the Son and not to ourselves. And that's important because when you and I get saved, when we... Um, are born again by the Spirit, one of the first things that happens, at least in my life, you get your conscience back, don't you? All of a sudden, the Lord's in your life, and for me anyway, the things that I didn't think twice about doing the day before, all of a sudden are wrong, right? Wrong, right? Now, I know it's wrong. The fact is, I really knew it all along, but now I can't justify it anymore because it's not just me that I have to deal with. I have to deal with Almighty God who has a standard of things and I can't fool him like I fooled myself for so many years, right? Can I get a witness? Is it just me? No. And so then what we do 
is we pick up from that old 1970s catchphrase and we adopt this just say no attitude, right? So now that I know this is wrong, now that I have the knowledge of good and evil again, I can just say no. How's that working for you? Hmm. So we, we exercise our willpower to stop doing something, and sometimes we are more successful than others. Isn't that the truth? To this very day, if we're honest about it. So what's going on here? What is really at the heart of this thing? Let me try to explain this with a little help from a couple of friends of mine, Paul and James. Paul says this in Romans 7:19. He says, "For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing." Right? Notice what he's saying. He's saying, "I don't want to do it, but I still do. I still keep doing it." James, on the other hand, in chapter 1 verse 14 says this, "But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Hmm. Let's put the two of those together. Let's, how do those two things fit together? The truth is, we know it's wrong, and in our mind, we don't want to do it. But in our heart, we still do. There it is. In my mind, I know this is wrong. In my mind, it's like, I don't want to do this anymore. But in our hearts, there is still a desire. And that desire wins out. And that's why we keep on doing the same things or not doing the same things. Think of the battles that you've had with yourself over the years. We're trying to say no to something that inwardly we still want to do. Aye, there's the rub. Paul kind of talks about this in Romans 7 uh, as he continues on with that. And, and I never really understood this before because he, he says something like, if, if, I, if I still do what I don't want to do, then it's no longer I that do it, but the sin that lives in me. And it's like, why, what in the world is he talking about? He's talking about that want, that desire. That, that even though we're, we're trying to fix things up here in our head, there, there, there's a problem inside of us. We have a desire to do what we know is wrong. That's what Paul calls sin that lives in us. A corruption, a heart issue, a problem that we inherited way back from Adam and Eve when they fell. And let's not, you know, pass the blame on them because, quite frankly, we would have done the same thing. Right? They're no different than we are. So we've got this want, this, these desires in us that are sinful. 
And sure, we may stop doing something for a time as we exercise our willpower. We might change some behaviors, you know, if, if we work hard enough. But we're not free indeed. That's the difference. That's the difference. Unless that inward desire is changed, we will not be truly free. But if the Son sets us free, then we'll be free indeed. Again, sanctification is a process, one that the Lord referred to prophetically in the Old Testament. Speaking about salvation, he says this in Ezekiel 36, uh, beginning of verse 25, he says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Isn't that a great picture of salvation? He cleanses us, sprinkles us, right, with water, makes us clean. And then he puts a new heart in us, takes out that heart of stone. Um, In other words, he takes out that heart that is hardened, that is stubborn, that is set in its ways uh, to do what I want to do instead of being open to the Spirit of God. And he puts in a heart of flesh, a heart that's soft, a heart that's pliable, a heart that can now respond to his Spirit working in us. Take out the stony one, put in the pliable one. And then in Jeremiah 31, 33, he says this, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. You see the difference here? In the Old Testament, under the law, where was the law? The law was out here, right? You do this, you don't do that. God says, I'm going to take that and and not have it on stone, commanding. I'm going to put it within them. It's going to be on their own hearts, Do you see it? From one degree to the next, God says, I'm going to change you from the inside. Not simply change your behavior. Not simply restore your knowledge of good and evil. Not try to make you stop doing something for fear of judgment or fear of punishment. No, God says, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to change your very inner desires. That's a work of God, isn't it? I'm going to change your very inner desire. I'm going to imprint my own desires on your heart. God's saying, so that you are going to start looking at people the way I do. You're going to start looking at situations the way I do. And you're going to respond to those people and those situations the right way 
not because you have to, not because you're supposed to, but because, as Peter says, you have become a partaker now of the divine nature. It's that process of sanctification, God imprinting his own nature on our hearts. A fish swims and an eagle soars, not because they have to, but because it's their nature. Right? It's their nature. And God has given us a beautiful picture in nature of what he's talking about in us in that picture of the metamorphosis from a caterpillar to a butterfly. I love that. The change from a caterpillar, from that which crawls on the ground and eats leaves, right, to something that floats on the wind and sips nectar, right? change. God says, that's what I'm going to do. There's a, there's a cocoon time, <laughs> right? That's the sanctification process, that change that takes place. And if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the foundational principle of our sanctification. I told you last week that we're going to talk about how to overcome those besetting sins, those sins that keep tripping us up over and over. This is the first thing that you and I need to understand, that we cannot set ourselves free. We cannot change uh, that inner desire for things that I'm not supposed to have, things that I'm not supposed to do, things that I know are wrong. We can't change that ourselves. That is a work of grace. That's a work of Almighty God. Paul tried. Martin Luther tried. John Wesley tried. They, they all saw it in the Bible. They all saw it. They all said, I want to be better. I can't do it. I can't do it. Hudson Taylor tried, that great missionary to China. Listen, listen to his words from a book called Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret, uh, written by his son and daughter-in-law, Dr. and Mrs. Howard Taylor. This is from a letter written from their dad to his sister. And he says this. He says, My mind has been greatly exercised for six or eight months past, feeling the need personally and for our mission of more holiness, life, power in our souls. But personal need stood first and was the greatest I felt the ingratitude, the danger, the sin of not living nearer to God. I prayed, agonized, fasted, strove, made resolutions, read the word more diligently, sought more time for meditation, but all without avail. 
Every day, he says, almost every hour, the consciousness of sin oppressed me. Each day brought its register of sin and failure, of lack of power. To will was indeed present with me, but how to perform, I found not. Direct quote from Romans 7. He said, I hated myself. I hated my sin, yet gained no strength against it. I felt I was a child of God. His spirit in my heart would cry in spite of all, Abba, Father. But to rise to my privileges as a child, I was utterly powerless. Sometimes there were seasons not only of peace, but of joy in the Lord. But they were transitory. And at best, there was a sad lack of power. Can anyone relate to these words? I know I can. What was he trying to do even through all of these wonderful, blessed activities? He was trying to set himself free, wasn't he? All of these activities became works of the flesh so that he might become holy by his own efforts. And sadly, many people, many of us, live our whole Christian lives this way, striving, trying to say no, winning and losing, up and down, up and down, up and down, feeling a lot of times like we must be a disappointment to God because we certainly are to ourselves. You know, we start out all excited in Jesus with all these high hopes. And then we get battle-weary, don't we, in the fight. And we end up settling a lot of times. Maybe not in every area, but in some areas. We've just settled. I guess that's just the way it is. I guess that's just the way it will always be until Jesus comes. But I have news for us today. Jesus Christ is still in the setting free business. Amen. He is still in the setting free business on the inside instead of trying to say no to something that is really and truly still an inner desire of our hearts, to have those desires transformed so that we naturally, with joy and delight, begin to walk in the ways of our Father from one degree of glory to the next. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. He is still in the setting free business. Not just the ultimate setting free from the penalty of sin so that I can go to heaven someday, but the setting free business of our internals as we walk day by day by day in him. Now, obviously, there's a lot more to say on this, and we're going to come back to it again next week. But how do we respond to what the Lord 
is showing us today. If you and I are truly going to find that freedom, if we are truly going to have victory over sin, the first thing that we have to do is be brutally honest with ourselves and with God. Let's go ahead and bow our heads this morning. Whatever it is that you and I, like Paul, say to ourselves, I know what I want to do, but I keep doing this. I keep going back to that same thing. I know what I want to start doing, but I never end up doing it. It's time to say with James, Lord, I do it because I still really want to, deep in my heart. Or deep in my heart, I don't want to do that. I know I should do it, but I don't want to do it. Seems too hard. It's uncomfortable. I'm committed, Lord, to. I'm committed to my own comfort. So, Lord, I want to bring before you those wants, those inner desires. I don't want to hide them anymore. I want to be honest with you and honest with myself. I have ungodly desires in my heart. You know what they are. I know what they are. And those are the things, Lord, that I want to bring before you and confess them before you. To bring them in the open, Lord. Realizing, God, in my weakness, I can't do it. I can't change it. I've been trying for years. Change this habit. To start a new habit. And I can't do it. Because there's a problem in my heart, Lord. So I bring it before you. And I ask you to do as only you can do. I'm asking you to set me free, Jesus. I'm asking you, Lord, first of all, by the power of the cross, to forgive me and to cleanse me. And I thank you that there is no condemnation for me because I am in Christ. But Lord... I now look to you by the power of the resurrection to transform that want in me, to transform that desire in me, as only you can do, Lord. I don't know how, but I know it's not up to me. It's not going to happen in my own strength. So I look to you 
As your word says, Lord, the just shall live by faith. So Jesus, understanding that you're still in the business of setting free, I trust you to work these things in my heart and in my life. And I thank you in advance for the deep changes and the freedom that I am going to experience because of your grace and your love and your power that works in me. Thank you, Lord. I praise you and I bless you. Through Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Great chorus this morning. Um, can you, you just come to the piano, Amy, and just finish out that chorus? Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I was listening to that this morning. I said, there it is. There's the, there's the song this morning. Right from the chorus, yeah. Just do this in faith. more like you each and every day we pray in your most awesome name. Amen. Amen.